Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, Interim Chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Today, we're joined by Dr. Matt Vinegar, Director of the Clinical Virology Laboratory and the Vice Chair of Practice for the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic. He is with us today to talk about two important respiratory viruses, avian influenza and the SARS coronavirus too. Dr. Vinegar, as always, it's great to have you on. As I mentioned this week, there are two timely topics I'd like to discuss. The first is avian flu or avian influenza. We've been seeing a lot of coverage about this in the news. Can you tell us why that is? What's going on and what do we need to worry about? Or do we sure. need to worry at all? Yeah, thanks Dr. Pripp for having me on. It's always good to be back. So you're right, avian influenza is in the news. We've known about avian influenza for over two decades that certain strains of influenza virus that circulate mainly among the bird population, but can also infect mammals and very rarely humans. The reason why it's in the news now is that there has been an ongoing outbreak since October of 2020 that has involved the largest number of wild and domestic birds in recorded history. There have been over 70 million poultry that have been affected by this current circulating strain of avian influenza. And there's also been somewhat concerningly outbreaks of this particular strain of the virus in mammals such as seals, mink, fox, bears. And so there is some concern that the virus has its infecting more birds and those birds are coming into contact with mammals that the virus may be adapting to infecting mammals, which really could bring it one step closer then to causing disease in humans. And there have been a few reported cases, several in China, one in the United States of this particular strain of avian influenza causing infection and disease in humans. So although rare currently, it is causing some concern and really heightened awareness from public health and healthcare officials. Well, thanks, Dr. Vinegar. Yeah, that definitely seems like something we should be keeping an eye on and potentially worrisome. What are we doing from a Mayo Clinic perspective? So what we're doing currently is a state of preparedness. We're talking with public health officials. We're talking with diagnostic test manufacturers about the possibility of developing or implementing testing specific for this avian influenza strain. We learned, of course, during the pandemic that one of our tools against fighting novel viruses is to be able to have tests to diagnose patients. And so what we're really trying to do right now is be as prepared as possible. In the event that we start to see more cases in humans, we need to have a specific diagnostic test to tell clinicians that their patient has this particular avian influenza strain versus other causes of respiratory disease. We're also talking with public health and government officials about how we can better respond to emerging infectious diseases. And so the, 
currently those are the two main steps that we're taking, talking about diagnostic testing, and then more broadly, how we can more quickly and efficiently respond to emerging infectious diseases. Well, it's nice to be able to work proactively rather than retrospectively trying to come up with a test when we need it right away. How would this work help our colleagues at other institutions or others within laboratory medicine? Well, I think that our conversations with CDC and other public health officials, as well as diagnostic test manufacturers, is greasing the skids in terms of helping to have new diagnostic testing more broadly available, which will help our laboratory partners and other uh, institutions be able to have access to testing when it's needed. What we learned during the pandemic was that we really need broad testing early on during uh, an outbreak rather than having it centralized in just a few locations. And so our discussions now hopefully will allow for more testing to be available if and when an avian influenza outbreak becomes more prominent in humans so that clinics, hospital labs around the country will have that access to testing. That makes sense. So you said if or when, what do you expect if you had a crystal ball? What do you think we might see in the coming months with avian influenza? Yeah, it's really tough to predict, but mm-hmm. there is some indication that with migratory bird patterns, this spring we could see an increased incidence of avian influenza among birds in the Northern Hemisphere as birds migrate from Central South America to the US and Canada. And so again, the more infected birds causing transmission of disease in the US and around the globe, the greater the probability that those birds will cause exposures within mammals and the adaptation of the virus towards becoming a virus that could efficiently infect humans to be transmitted from human to human increases. Of course, we want very much to keep that from happening, and we hope that that does not happen. But I think that now is the time for us to prepare in the event that it does happen so that we have the tools in place to fight that. That makes sense. And of course, we can't predict what's going to happen. Let's keep our fingers crossed that it doesn't, but best to be prepared. Well, we'll probably have you back in the coming months to give us an update at some point. But for now, let's move on to SARS coronavirus and COVID-19. We've touched on this topic a little bit when we talked about what we've learned from the pandemic. But I thought I should point out that March 13th was the three-year anniversary of the National Emergency Declaration in the United States due to the pandemic. So we have come a long way since 2020, and you were intimately involved in bringing up our SARS coronavirus test that we used at Mayo Clinic for our Mayo Clinic local and MCL patients through our reference laboratory. How does it feel looking back on everything that's happened? Yeah, it's incredible to think back over the past three years in terms of what was accomplished and how challenging of a time it was. I think back to March 12th, 2020, which was the day before that national emergency was announced. That was the first day Mayo Clinic began testing for COVID-19. 
and I was reviewing our testing data and we performed about 40 tests on March 12th of 2020. And as of a few weeks ago, Mayo Clinic Laboratories has now performed over 7 million COVID-19 tests across all of our testing sites. So just an incredible response, both within Mayo Clinic, but really around the world to stand up testing and play a significant role in, in fighting the pandemic, providing patients with answers, providing their physicians with information that they needed to care for patients. And really the thing that has stood out to me the most is just the dedication and commitment of our healthcare teams. I've never seen the level of commitment as I've observed throughout the pandemic, people working discretionary hours, uh, almost on a weekly basis, really stepping up to the plate to do whatever was needed to help our patients and, and clinicians treat this really deadly disease. So to me, the dedication, commitment, the level of innovation that's taken place over the past three years, where we've worked with diagnostic test manufacturers and the government to help stand up new types of testing, which not only benefited us fighting the COVID-19 pandemic, but will give us tools to help treat, manage, diagnose other diseases as well. Yeah, I remember those days and you know, it's going to be something we look back on the rest of our lives and, and just reflect on being there at that time, the fear, the uncertainty, but also the courage to come in, work around the clock, develop tests, working midnight shift when you usually work day shift and just such an interesting and life-changing time. So what were some lessons do you think from your perspective that we've learned from the pandemic? A lot of lessons learned, of course, but the ones that I think stood out to me is that for us to combat emerging infectious diseases like COVID-19, it truly requires a very strong partnership across multiple groups. No one team is positioned to stand up testing or treatments or vaccination on their own. And so clinical laboratories, working with public health, working with healthcare organizations and the government and diagnostic test manufacturers, all those groups are needed at the table to get the necessary tools in place to help fight a pandemic like COVID-19. We also learned that testing is desperately needed at the front lines and the early stages of an emerging outbreak. We can't have delays in reporting through centralizing testing to a few locations. So getting broad testing available to small hospitals and clinics where patients are being evaluated is really needed during the earliest days of an emerging infectious disease. We've also learned just over the last few years with monkeypox and now having discussions about avian influenza that COVID-19 likely won't be the last time that we face a significant outbreak or pandemic of an infectious disease. And so we need to prepare now. We need to take steps to put together an infrastructure that allows us to rapidly and efficiently respond because we'll likely be put in this position again and we want to be in a much better position in the future than we were in February and March of 2020. Yeah, it's definitely encouraging that 
you and other leading scientists in the field are really thinking in this proactive way about how we can apply lessons to future pandemics. Do you want to elaborate a little bit on the lessons that you've learned of how you would apply those with your with any potential future pandemics that we may face? Absolutely. One thing that we are doing is actually looking at the possible emerging infectious diseases that we could see in the future. So viruses, bacteria, antimicrobial resistance markers that may cause a significant problem in the future, and thinking about developing proactively novel diagnostic testing strategies and potentially even treatment and vaccines against those agents well before they may cause a problem. So that's one step that, that we can take. Two is just bringing those key stakeholders together that I mentioned earlier and start to have conversations about how do things work today and what are the problems and limitations and how could we change those and restructure our approach so that we do a much better job of responding quickly in the future. And I'm starting to see that I'm starting to be part of those groups and at the table with other stakeholders to review the lessons learned and stand up new ways of doing things so that we can respond more efficiently in the future. Well, that's great to hear. Thank you, as always, for the wonderful updates and insights, Dr. Vinegar. Thank you for joining us, and I'm sure we'll have you back on a future episode to talk more about what you're learning and what your work continues to be for some of these potential future pathogens to worry about. Thanks, Dr. Pritt, for having me on. It's always good to be here, and I'll look forward to coming back in the future. Great. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.